everyone. Welcome to the Unleashing Brilliance podcast. I'm your host, Janine Garner, and I've pulled together some of the greatest minds from around the globe to help inspire you to release your own brilliance into the world. Whether we are talking to entrepreneurs, business owners, or just some all-round awesome people, I can guarantee these conversations will help you start thinking about how you can create more impact in the work that you do. A mix of incredible interviews and my own personal musings. Join me from wherever you are to begin the journey to unleashing your own brilliance into the world. Well, hello, friends. Janine Garner here. How are you all, wherever you're at in the world? Thank you so much for listening in to this latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. My latest guest is on a stand, is taking a stand for humanizing AI and preserving humanity. Amy Yamada is a seasoned business coach and emerging expert in the cutting edge technology of ChatGPT. She is all about empowering established entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants to grow their businesses in a way that is fully aligned with their authenticity and desired lifestyle through deep connection in messaging, sales conversations, and transformational experiences such as VIP days and high ticket retreats. Loved this conversation. I met Amy a couple of years ago. In full transparency, she's become a key part of my world, not only for the expertise that she brings to my clients and my business, but also I just love this woman for the woman that she is. An awesome conversation where we talk a lot about the masks that stop us from living our unapologetic selves. We talk about how fear gets in the way. And Amy shares some beautiful stories from her childhood through to what she's doing now that essentially, as with most of my guests on this podcast, there's always that golden thread running through. What I really love about this conversation is at the end, we have a great chat about how each and every single one of us can ensure that we become human-centric in that how we are leveraging the technology that is now becoming available to each and every single one of us, irrespective of industry, to enable us to really make the impact that we want to make. Enjoy this latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance with my beautiful guest, the incredible Amy Yamada. Hello, Amy. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I love it. Any chance I get to sit down and have a little bit of a chin wag with amazing women doing amazing things, it totally inspires me and pumps me up for the day. And so I'm excited to be here too. Some avid listeners on this podcast will be going, oh, that doesn't sound like an Aussie. Where are we speaking? Yes, we're speaking across the interwebs, but where are you calling in from today, Amy? Yes, I'm in beautiful Seattle, Washington. So it's, I mean, I say beautiful, it's a bit dark and misty today, but it's a definitely a beautiful area. Every time we jump online and I see the view out of your window, it's incredible. Can you describe for our listeners that view from your office window? Because it is beautiful. Right now, it's actually quite, it's a little darker because of my time of day right now. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yes. It's a beautiful Puget Sound that connects to the Pacific Ocean. So I like to say it's my ocean view. <laughs> your ocean view, and it is your ocean view. What a beautiful place in the world to be working. It's so exciting to have you here. You're doing some incredible things 
in your world right now, which is all underpinned with your passion around humanity and people and connection. And we'll come on to that shortly. But as we sort of start this conversation, can you just explain for people what it is that you do? What is it that I do? It's funny because, you know, on one hand, I'm a business coach, right? So I, I mentor online entrepreneurs, online coaches, and I've been doing this for 11 years. And it has evolved over time. But the through line of what I do is always around deep connection, authenticity, really finding and using your voice, which is something I love about what I've seen you do in terms of your posts and just being really true to who you are, really bold and courageous. And I I just really acknowledge you and celebrate that. But I really love to empower entrepreneurs. Most of my clients are women entrepreneurs, not all of them, that have something that they really want to say. They are on a mission. They want to grow and scale their businesses, but they want to do it in a way that's fully aligned with who they are and what they're about. So mm, um, I so love that. that. Yes. And why why is it so important to you that you help these incredible business owners and entrepreneurs actually get their voice out there. By the way, thank you. I can honestly tell you, I vomit in my mouth every single time I press send on some content that I know is going to rile up a couple of people. But yeah, it's that I've got to say this, I've got to say this to the world. Why is it so important to you to support those people, your clients? Yeah, well, I just have found that just over the years, even of my life and in the corporate world, and now as an entrepreneur, the thing that I noticed about myself and others is that we all at some point wear masks, you know, we wear masks because we want to be accepted or belong or be seen a certain way or acknowledged or celebrated a certain way. And what happens is I feel like there's even layers of masks that we wear. And so as I start to to really take notice of that and really appreciate when someone would peel back those layers where they would let me see who they really are. So, oh my gosh, here's this beautiful soul of a being that has a voice that has this human beingness that is just wanting to come out and something's stopping them. And why is that? How come they can share with me one-on-one in a more like intimate conversation, what they really want and what they really want to do with their life and what they really want to say and how they want to make an impact. But then either in their career or in their, even as an entrepreneur, they're not fully expressing themselves. And so I just, I think even beyond business, Janine, like I realized and having done a lot of my own personal development work, which of course I'm still on my journey, is that I am so passionate and so moved by when someone lets me in Mm. to see who they really are. I get Mm. chills anytime I think about all these magical moments in my life, whether it was a a friend, a complete stranger that's sitting next to me on an airplane, you know, like meeting you and and our inner circle of friends that we've made in this time that we've been together in a romantic relationship. Like when somebody really lets you in to see who they really are, I'm like, oh, Mm. it's like life's most precious gift. So that's, that's where it comes from. I love that. And just, can I just build on that? So when that happens, Amy, when people let you in so that you can truly see them. It reminds me of the Avatar movie, doesn't it? I see you. What do you notice happens when you take people on that journey and you, or they let you in so that you can see them? What is the result of that work? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I I feel so connected to them, right? I feel like we feel so connected on a deeper level. And there's just a beautiful, like respect and love and compassion where instead of all the noise and all the stuff that we think about or deal with or, you know, think we need to be focusing on on a daily basis, it's almost like it all just like, just diminishes, it's diminished, it disappears. And what I've noticed is that when people 
truly are who they are and they express their authenticity. And when they say what they really want to say and they communicate it both verbally and non-verbally, it's like their light is shining through, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, there she is, right? There's that person. And, and the results they cause, I mean, I think they have more fulfilled lives. They have more fulfilled relationships, deeply meaningful relationships. For those who have business, their business thrives because they are now trusting on a much deeper level and mm-hmm. um, not second guessing everything. And it just, to me, it has a ripple effect in every, it doesn't, there's not one part of their life it doesn't touch. And so I'm just like, let's just be who we are. Like, just be who you really, really are and allow yourself to be seen and don't worry about what the world thinks and you're going to mess up and it's going to be okay and just be unapologetic with it. Oh, so there's so much we're going to talk about. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. So before we talk about going a bit more detail about, you know, tips, tools, ideas to help our audience understand about how to become more unapologetically you, what I'm curious about is you. Mm. So wh- where did this work come from? If you reflect on, I want to hear about Amy. Where did the life of Amy start? And through that, what masks have you been wearing over the years? Oh so many masks. You know, that's a really great question. I mean, I, I often think back to even when I was a little girl, I've always been a connector. I've always loved meeting people and making friends and one story that comes to my mind is when my family was big on traveling and I was born and raised in Yokohama, Japan. My father's full Japanese. My mother was American and I was born and raised there until I was 18, but I went to an American school. And anyway, but my family was really big on traveling. And so one year parents said that summer, they said, Hey, we're going to go to the United States and we're going to go on an Amtrak train adventure. <laughs> so we're going to, I don't even remember where we went. I was probably, I don't know, six or seven years old. I can't remember, but we were on these lengthy train rides in these very scenic places that we were going from one place to another. And my parents were like, Oh, look at the scenery. It's so beautiful. And I could care less about the scenery at that age. All I wanted to do was play, right? I had two older brothers, which sometimes we got along, sometimes we didn't. And so what I would do is I would walk up and down the train cars looking for other little girls my age. So if I saw you there with pigtails, I would say, I'd say, hi, my name's Amy. What's your name? Oh, gorgeous. And then I'd say, well, you want to play with me? Because who wants to sit on a boring train ride and look at trees and mountains and lakes? I mean, of course, now I would. But at the time, all I cared about was... I just want to meet people and have fun. And that's always been a part of my my authentic spirit and my heart. And that hasn't changed throughout my life. I love meeting people. I love finding out their stories and where they're from and where they are now and where they're going and what lights them up and what is their family like, And right? Like, I'm just curious person. So definitely from a young age. But with that, I, I did wear a lot of masks for sure. Yeah. So give me an example of a mask that you've worn in the past that you had to remove to allow you to do the awesome work that you're doing now. Yeah, this gets pretty deep for me. So I, you know, one thing, one of the things I've learned as an adult is that as children, we are excellent observers and horrible interpreters. And so from a young age, my interpretation of my upbringing was that in order to be loved and accepted, I thought I interpreted that I had to be perfect. And and part of it may have just been, again, my interpretation, my cultural backgrounds, you know, and I know that sometimes when I talk to people with an Asian background, of course, I love my Asian background. And there's been some commonalities around just kind of a strict, very disciplined upbringing, which there's some, of course, some good in that and some things that I'm like, oh, I don't know. Right. So I always felt like, okay, I must be a perfect student, a perfect daughter, a perfect sister, a perfect friend. And so I, I had this idea of perfectionism and, and also in, even in friendships, 
I noticed like, oh, I want to be liked. So I'm going to show up in this way where I would just always be nice and not, you know, shove things under the rug. And so I, I definitely wore these masks of, I will only let people in so far, just a little bit, because if they just see this mask of me, then I will be liked, I will be loved, I'll be accepted, I won't be in trouble. So I definitely for a very, very long time wore these masks to be accepted. In my mind, that's what I thought was. Yeah. And looking back now on reflection, how did that stop you? How did that get in the way? Oh my gosh. I mean, it, I mean, in some ways it served me, honestly, like it served me on a surface level, served me in terms of, I did have a lot of friends. I did have a level of popularity and I, I got along with everybody and was a good student and got good grades and all that. But how it affected me in a not great way is that I didn't always feel like I could be who I really was on the inside. Mm. And I'm sure there was a part of me that felt like like abandoning who I really was because I didn't think that who I really was was good enough. And I felt like I was never enough. And I know that now that I've talked to so many others, I know that that's a common story, whether no matter the background, but I see where it stopped me in terms of being true to who I am. And also, you know, just even thinking about putting on masks for my parents and like not like to not be who you are at home. Like I can feel the tears come up, you know, like I'm just like, oh, I would never want anyone in my family to feel like they couldn't be who they are. You know, Mm. I would never want my friends to feel that way. I would never want someone I cared about to feel like, okay, Amy's here. I got to be a certain way. Like, I just want, like, let's have our guards down and be who we really are and feel like we can be unedited when we speak. Mm. So where it stopped me now that I I think about your great question is that I didn't always say what I really wanted to say. I would say what was, what I thought was expected of me versus my truth. Mm. So what was the, Water. So talk to me quickly. So when did you move over to the US? Because you're now in the US. At what age did you move to the US? Oh, when I was 18. I came here for college. I was 18. Did you, oh, you went to college. And then what happened after college? Did you always do entrepreneurial life or did you go into corporate job? Yeah, great question. So well, first I went to London to do like after college, I went to London to do this fun like work exchange program. They had something that even after you graduated from college, it could be a of a student work exchange program. So I went to London just to experience living in the UK. And I went with one of my good friends from college. And we really went to experience something different and then traveled all around the UK. And we went around Europe. So I was gone for about six months. And then I came back and I was like, okay, I got to figure out what I'm doing with my life. You know, I wasn't, I didn't know what I really wanted to do. I just definitely wanted to have a fun life and a fun job. And at the time, gosh, this was in the, like I graduated in 99, so it was early 2000s. Everything was all about dot coms. You got you to gotta work at a dot com, right? And it was like, oh, I guess I need to work. You know, I was being brainwashed by the world. I was like, you know, got to do this. And I started interviewing at places and I realized this is not me at all. And that was a big aha for me, realizing like, it's not what everyone says you should do. It's about what's authentic to you. So I remember sitting down one day and journaling and thinking about what do I really love? And I made a list of all these things and everything that came together spoke into media. I loved, you know, I loved being with people. I loved community and events and PR and marketing. And so I thought oh, it might be cool to work in the media. So I worked in the corporate world in the media for about 15 years before I went off on my own as an entrepreneur. Uh, so I'm curious, what was the tipping point? What was, what, what was the moment, the watershed moment where you changed tech? tech. What was the moment where you went, you know what, there's something else I need to do here? Because some of us accidentally, like if I think about my career, there is no, no doubt that I've accidentally written books and accidentally become a podcaster and accidentally done this stuff. But actually, when I look back, there was a moment that triggered that change, which I noticed and I took action on. I'm curious for you, you know, what, 
what was the trigger point? What was that watershed moment that took you on this other journey and to do the work that you do now? It's such a great question. It's actually two moments that happened in the same year. And it, you know, it's interesting. I've talked about this. I haven't talked about this in a little bit, but the first one was, so it was in 2010 and, you know, I was just living my life, working my job and suddenly my, my phone was blowing up and I was like, what's happening? And all these people from college, like my senior year in college, you know, when, when you're in college, everyone's like, what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to do? And I didn't have an answer. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I'd say, well, isn't it obvious? I'm going to be the host of the Amy Yamada show. <laughs> I would say it as a joke because I thought, well, that's a fun, funny answer. And talk show would be cool. It's funny that we're now on a podcast right now. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, like Oprah, you know, I'll be like Oprah. And so fast forward from then to 2010 and my phone's blowing up. I'm like, Amy. Oprah has a competition you can audition to win your own talk show on her network because her network was new, right? The own network. And so like, you got to audition. This is your chance. And so I thought, okay, <laughs> I'll do it. And literally within 24 hours, I secured a, a studio. Like I had all these connections, right? So I secured a studio. Somebody volunteered to do the video. We came up with a plan, an outfit, all the things. My friends came out like, ah, oh, we're going to help Amy. <laughs> and it took me like five hours to cut a two minute video because I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, to come up with an idea, what is your show going to be about? And then you had to fill this lengthy application and send it all to Oprah's network. And then they would put you on her website. And then it was about voting. You had to get vote. It's actually a brilliant marketing plan on her part Ooh. because all these people, of course, want to win their own show. And then yeah. drive all this traffic to her website to vote. So I just had my friends clicking on that vote button over and over and over and over. And so what happened was, I didn't have the best audition for sure, but I was really great at PR and marketing. And so every morning over the course of, I don't remember now, maybe seven or eight weeks, every morning I wake, I had my job, but I'd wake up I'm like, how am I going to further myself in this competition? <laughs> you know? And I made it pretty far, like because of the votes, I didn't make it to the finalists, but I made it to the top 4% nationally. And I, I got wow. local radio, television, magazine. I mean, I got, I just was my own marketing PR machine. I hosted events. We had an Amy on Oprah happy hour and we created the bartenders created an Amy Yamada Colada. It was hilarious. Like the whole thing was cool. So even though I'd love to say I had made it right, even though the moral of the story wasn't I made it, but the moral of the story was I saw what I was capable of as like a one woman show. I'm like, wow, I'm good at marketing and PR. I know that I can market myself and sell myself like my brand, even though I didn't really have a brand. And so it just, that was one moment that really woke me up. Wow, I never knew that about you. That's okay. I'm going to call you the Amy Yamada Show. <laughs> totally. I love it. Yeah. Just you wait, my friend. So did you then go, I'm just going to do this? Like when did you go, I'm not going to do the corporate job anymore. I'm going to train here or retrain here. When was the calling, I yeah, suppose? What did you notice? Yeah. There were the two moments that year. So there was that experience. And then on a total flip side was, I'm so grateful now. I've been so grateful for so many years now that I wasn't a finalist because had I been a finalist, I would have been in Los Angeles when I got the phone call that my mom was in the hospital. Oh. And I'll never forget that moment. I remember I was standing in my the house I used to live in at the time. My brother called me and he said, and my mom had had some health issues. And he said, she's in the hospital. She's unconscious. And she's been unconscious for an hour. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So I just dropped everything, raced to the hospital. And, you know, I think we all have life awakening moments, but I'll never forget just racing to her room and then walking in and seeing her on all these machines. And I mean, I just talked to her a few days before that. And here I'm looking at her and she looks lifeless. And the, the doctors 
talking and it's like the whole world is just a blur. But she had, long story short, she had, she had gone to cardiac arrest and she had lost oxygen to the brain and they didn't know. They said, we don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, well, what, what do we do? They said, we wait. And they said the first 24 hours would be very telling. The first 72 hours would be very telling. And so all that to say, she ended up being in a, you know, it wasn't a coma. She was in a vegetative state. And ultimately she was in that state for almost four months. And I know that part of it was, it took each of our family members time to fully accept that she wasn't in a coma because there's a lot of miracle stories around comas, right? But when somebody Mm -hmm. is ultimately in a permanent vegetative state due to anoxic brain injury, they don't wake up from that. Mm -hmm. So, and she ended up passing naturally, but it was an experience that I will never forget. And I, it woke me up, you know, it woke me up and I realized, wow, like we are not in this human being experience forever. And if there's something that I want to do with my life, that's different than what I'm doing now, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it now. Right. Cause I, I was fine, but I didn't see myself. Like when I really was honest with myself, I thought I could stay in this career and do well and live a great life. But I think there's something, I know there's something more for me and it's not working mm-hmm. in the media as a senior account executive. Mm-hmm. So that was my tipping point. I didn't know what it was going to look like. All I knew was that I was going to become my own boss. I wanted mm-hmm. to live life on my own terms. I didn't want anyone telling me that I couldn't take a vacation. <laughs> And really, I believe that my mom was a part of all of it. You know, she was just a beautiful soul of a being. She was a teacher for over 40 years and just the best mother that someone could ask for. And she lived life that was very authentic to who she was. And so that really inspired me. So are you inspired to step up, to take massive action in your own business? Maybe you're feeling like the world's best kept secret and a little bit invisible right now. Or maybe you're frustrated at your lack of progress and want to win more at work and succeed more in life. Maybe it's about being ready to welcome more sales and more profit finally into your business. If you're interested in finding out more about my work, check me out on all the usual social platform suspects or email me at support at and let's set up a time to chat about how I can help you. Thank you for sharing that. And it is exactly how you're living your life now. And the work that you are doing is all about helping other people to live authentically and to follow their dreams and your passion about humanity and being human and connecting through that just rings through every little bit of your work whether you're on stage speaking whether you're coaching whether you're doing your VIP experiences whatever it is it's exactly what I see so thank you for sharing that so let's just fast forward now to what you're doing now because there is a golden thread isn't there there's a golden thread from that six-year-old on the train wearing masks and which I'm sure many of us have. We've all got our own versions of masks. I don't imagine there's any human being on the planet that doesn't ha- isn't wearing a mask of some sort. To then that those life-changing experiences of seeing the potential through the Oprah opportunity, and then it's almost like the universe delivering the really tough reality check of time, yeah. the time challenge. And I'm, I'm imagining there's any people listening to this that feel that tension of living a life that they have somehow started living and this tension between the life 
and the person that they want to become. From, from your experience, what sort of things did you go through and what learnings, because you've been in that point too, as I've had leaving a corporate exec job to now doing what I'm doing, what have you learned about yourself mm-hmm. along the way that you'd love to pass on to people that may be listening to this? Yeah, great. She's so good with the questions. I, I, one of the things for sure is I believe that deep down inside, we already know if there's something else pulling us forward, right? Like I think there's a pull, there might even be a voice. Like there's times like, wow, it just feels so loud inside. Like I'm not, there's something different for me and I'm holding on to what feels comfortable, but it's the comfortable, the comfort is getting more uncomfortable. And I remember um, as a, at the time I was working for a publishing company for a few local magazines and I loved everybody I worked with. They were great people, but I, I just knew, like, I just knew I, I was wanting to move on, but I, I was too scared to fully move on. <laughs> it was like, ah, and I also, you know, I also needed the income and I, I thought that, you know, it had to look a certain way. So, but my point is deep down inside, I, I knew that I was going to be moving on and I made a bold decision where I thought, well, what if I went to my publisher and the owner of the company and said, if I could go from full-time to contract and be honest, like just to really be honest and say, I am wanting to launch my own business and I still want to have a role here as I am figuring this out, would you be open to me basically demoting myself to a contractor? And I was super scared to do that because I thought, well, he could either say yes, or he could say, well, clearly you're either in or you're out. So let's let you go. And I was really scared about that. But I just was like, I've got to have the courage to take this step no matter what the outcome is. And so I remember doing that. And he did allow me to stay on as a contractor. Now I will say that I probably held on to that contract much longer than I needed to. I think I, in my mind, I thought, oh, maybe, you know, six to 12 months ended up being two years, but it's not because I needed the income. It's because there was a part of me that was just still holding on to what was comfortable. And I think sometimes we just do that because it's human nature to stay safe and secure, especially as a woman. I know it's one of a lot of us, we have that as a core value, like, well, I just want to make sure I'm safe. But I had one conversation one day that I, I had a, an aha moment. It was this woman named Glenna. And Glenna and I had met through a mutual friend and we had coffee. And we'd had coffee once and then we had coffee again like six months later. And I said to her, I was like, yeah, I've got to like at some point cut the cord and move on from this contract. And she said to me, Amy, you said the same thing six months ago. What are you doing? I was like, what? I did? She's like, yeah, this, we had the same conversation. We were sitting here at coffee having the same conversation. And I didn't realize I was holding on to something for so long. And she said, what's really holding you back? I was like, I don't know. And she's a facial communication expert. So I was like, do you see something on my face? <laughs> I mean, she, she was like legit. I mean, she used to work with like police departments, FBI. Like she was a facial oh my goodness. expert, like speaker expert. She was you know, a bit older than me, super wise woman. I was like, I don't know. Do you see something in my face? She's like, no, I'm not a psychic. Right. And she's like, but I feel like there's something else there. I was like, I don't know. She's like, do you feel like you're going to betray them if you move on or like, what is it? And then she asked the courageous question, or is there something that's also tied to your mom? Cause she knew that I was still vulnerable about that. Cause it was only a couple of years in after my mom passed and I completely broke down in tears in the middle of Starbucks. I'm like, I mean, I was bawling. She just unlocked that. And I realized that I wasn't staying with this job because I needed the job. It wasn't because I didn't believe I would be successful if I fully went off my own on a subconscious level. It was one of the things in my life that was still the same from mm. when my mom was still alive. 
And also that company was so supportive of me when I was spending all this time in the hospital, practically living in the hospital. So I think just on a subconscious level, I felt like by holding on to this job, I was still holding on to her. So it was mm-hmm. just an emotional breakthrough. And I'm so grateful for that woman that day having that bold conversation with me because I realized I didn't need to hold on to that job anymore. Also, she said, just like you have your foot somewhere else that you're really excited about going all in on your vision of being an entrepreneur, someone else has a vision of working the job that you're holding on to. So you're, you're like holding on to this thing that someone else is like excited about and you're so done with. And that got me because of course, like, I don't even know who that person will be, but how dare I stay somewhere that I don't want to be? Mm. Oh my gosh, that's so powerful. I hadn't even thought about that last bit of essentially you're stopping someone else's dreams by staying in your safety zone. In the work that you do now, is this something that you see? So, you know, your passion around helping individuals remove their masks and becoming unapologetically you, which let's be honest, I have a joke when I was talking to a client recently and I was going, you know, the coaching industry is making an absolute fortune out of all of our insecurities and all of the masks that we're wearing. And I think there is so much information out there and so many experts do helping people make the change but what is it what is it that stops people because we can go yes unapologetically you yes authentic yes let's connect yes let's be real but it's like what is it really what do you notice amongst your clients and the work that you do that really does stop people from being unapologetic I find it really hard to say that word unapologetically themselves Yeah, they just don't fully trust themselves. Mm. Oh, tell me more about that. They don't fully trust themselves. Yeah, even even if they come across as confident, there's a level of confidence. They believe that what they have to offer does have value, but they don't fully trust that if they unleash their authenticity, if they really say what they want to say or or offer what they want to offer or create what they want to create, is it going to be good enough? Is someone going to want what I have to offer? Are they going to invest in it? Especially someone like I've charged very high ticket for what I offer. And what I've noticed oftentimes people really struggle with charging high ticket. And in my experience, most entrepreneurs undervalue themselves. And so, and I get it. I was there too. And I continue to raise my rates with my experience and my expertise and how much I've invested in myself. But on a much deeper level, it's just that they don't fully trust themselves. Because if they did, then they would know that even if they raise their rates, or even if they use their bold, courageous voice that they put out there, or even if they say something and it goes sideways, or something happens that's not ideal, if they fully trust themselves, then that means that even when things go sideways or things don't go as planned, they will find a way forward. If they mm. fully trusted themselves, they would take the risks. If they fully trust mm. themselves, they would say what they wanted to say. You know, they would mm. hire the team member, they would hire the publicist, <laughs> they would hire the coach, they would invest in themselves. But the fear steps in around what if it doesn't work, right? How, who am I to think that people would invest in me or my company and what I have to offer? So it has to do with trust. And it's such a simple word, but there's so much wrapped in it, isn't it? I mean, any of you listening, I go, what would you do tomorrow if you really trusted yourself? What would you do? What would you change? What decision would you make? What would you do differently? Because we can say that stuff. We journal about that stuff. We talk to our friends at the bar about that stuff, but it is, it's that, well, so why aren't you? So it's the trust piece. And do you think the trust therefore is embedded in that fear of failure or a fear of being judged 
or all of the above and way, ma- way many more things. Yeah. It comes back to the masks, right? Yeah, even fear, yeah, fear of what people think, fear of even fear of success. I know yeah. I used to not understand that at all until I experienced it myself or I could see where, okay, if I grow to this level, what is that going to mean, right? What is that going to mean for me? Now, on one hand, it's like exciting, right? It's like, oh, he's this successful woman, right? But then how would my, how would the people I know now treat me differently or see me differently? And also, what if I couldn't handle it? You know, what if I couldn't, what if my team and I couldn't serve our clients the way that we serve them now with a smaller, more, see, in my mind, I can say it more manageable group. Like, what if instead of having a hundred clients, we have thousands of customers and clients? And what if, right? And, and what if people say bad things about me online? And what if people don't like, right? All of this stuff can come up. I think the entrepreneurial journey is a personal development journey. It truly is. So yeah, it's a fear of all of the above. So I'm going to ask you that question. Yeah. If you could tap into your trust, what's your wish for tomorrow? What is it that you're doing? What is it that you're creating? Well, the timing of this question, it could have been better. I mean, I, this has been such an exciting start to this year with what has happened in the world of AI. And if you would have asked me even, even a few months ago, you know, three, six months ago, what I imagined for this year, I would not have even come close to it. So what has happened is as I start to, to dabble in AI and really understand specifically ChatGPT, at first I had total resistance to it because I thought, oh, just even thinking AI, what does A stand for? Artificial, right? It's so opposite authenticity, <laughs> even if it's mm. artificial intelligence. And so at first I, was, I had a lot of resistance to it, but then I thought, well, what if I just dabbled in it and tried to see what this is about? And I realized that with my whole background in messaging and my passion for speaking your truth, your authentic voice, my passion for empowering people to amplify their voice, I thought, what if I brought everything that I've been doing, the frameworks that I've created and used my passion for authenticity and used it with AI, with ChatGPT, what could that look like? And so I have spent countless hours being deep in it, testing things, experimenting things, creating frameworks. And in such a short amount of time, what has happened was I had a workshop coming up and I thought, okay, the workshop is going to be on VIP days, which is what I have taught for a while. High ticket VIP days, destination VIP experiences, which I still love, but I just tweaked a couple things, tagline and one bullet point about this workshop. And I thought, what if we also included leveraging AI to create all your promotion materials? And we did that. My opt-ins, my registrations for this workshop went through the roof and had a great show up rate. And I decided to offer this 30-day program called ChatGPT for coaches. And it just blew up. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. But people, the the feedback that I got, even for those who've been in AI for a lot longer than me, said, most people are using it just for productivity. You're bringing authenticity to it. And one of the biggest fears, especially for coaches, consultants, content creators, course creators is what if this thing doesn't sound like me and it's fake and it's out of integrity. And this is where I come in with the heart speech model, with your authentic voice, with your writing style. And so it's just been such an exciting time. My phone has been once again, blowing up like it did when Oprah's, you know, show audition came out every day. My phone, I just get messages and emails and DMS from people saying, Hey, love for you to have come have you come speak on my stage or you know come be on my podcast or train this community and so it's been a very exciting time so what i've been doing is truly focusing on ironically humanizing ai and bringing knowing how to bring your authentic voice into it so that you optimize your inputs not just with prompts there's a lot of prompt lists out there but we have a specific framework on having chat gpt get to know your voice and then bring it into everything that you do i love that concept of the heart 
speech framework. And I think the world is innovating. It is evolving very quickly around us. And interestingly, the fear that you talked about earlier in terms of as an individual that can get in the way is the very thing that's going to hold people back with this. But that curiosity of how do you essentially get that interaction or that integration between humanity and technology to actually better the world, the communication, the planet, whatever it is, the really interesting space. What is your wish? This podcast is all about unleashing brilliance. So in the context of that, as a, you know, a big contextual statement, how do you see that this next phase for us as humanity, as, you know, working very closely with technology, as an experienced and highly skilled coach that has worked with high-profile business owners and entrepreneurs to help them remove their masks. How is this all coming together in your mind in terms of what we need to do as a race of, an, of amazing brains and cells and human beings to ensure that we create the future that we want? What does it all mean to you when it comes to unleashing brilliance? Yeah, when it comes to unleashing brilliance to me in the context of authenticity and humanity and, and connection, like real authentic, meaningful connection, it really is about not letting anything, anyone, any technology diminish our truth and our voice. And that includes AI. It includes how we use this tool because, you know, I have some big tables now with people who've been way ahead of me in AI and learning from them and what they've been up to and what they're forecasting. And one thing that I've heard is that moving forward, 90% of content is going to be AI generated. Now, on one hand, that can sound really daunting, like, oh, so it's all going to be written by robots, right? And so I am taking a stand for humanizing AI and really preserving humanity, preserving that to me, as long as it originates from within you, then what we create of that 90% of everything being AI generated, it's like, yeah, it's AI generated, but it originates from your authentic voice. Um, so I'm just, I'm really continuing to take my stand for authenticity, being who you are, being true to who you are, no matter what that means. You know, I, sometimes when people finally speak their truth, relationships are broken, you know, or the way people perceive you is different. But what about how you perceive yourself? And are you being true to who you are on the inside? And I, this is something that I've learned over the years, and it's been uncomfortable and wonderful at the same time. Very liberating. I love that. I am taking a stand for humanizing AI and preserving humanity. I'm curious. I wonder how many of our listeners can actually articulate what they are taking a stand for. And what I also loved about your entire journey is you did place trust. Like, as you said, this time last year, you had no idea that this would be where you're at, but this incredible amount of curiosity, but not just curiosity, you actually then took a massive deep dive to understand and to get curious to see how you, your clients, the world could actually integrate this incredible technology, technological advancement that's happening around us, left, right, and center, but at the same time, preserve humanity. And I'm so grateful that you're doing that. As I said, that heart-centered, can you just, because there's probably a few people going, Janine, ask the question, what is that heart-centered framework thing that she said? Can you just quickly summarize what that heart speech model is for you? Yes. So it truly is a communication model. And if you think about any communication model, there's a sender and there's a receiver, and then there's everything in between, right? 
But the piece that I will share with you, which is my secret sauce, is the actual heart speech. And what I mean by that, we have a whole framework about it, but this is my favorite part and the most important part is to actually use voice dictation to bring your true voice into ChatGPT. So for example, the simplest way to do it is just to use your phone, you know, either Otter is a great app, you know, the Otter app that transcribes your voice or even If you have an iPhone, the notes section has a little microphone. I never noticed this before, but in the bottom right-hand corner in your notes section, I can just show you here that if you pull up a new note, it looks like this in the bottom right-hand corner, it has a little microphone. So some people already know this. And so that, it doesn't audio record you, but it voiced, it, it transcribes what you say. So if you hit that, and I've been teaching this for years, way before AI, right, is about speaking your truth. And so what I would say to my clients would, because I would notice that as soon as they were focusing on marketing and sales and business growth, then what they would write or what they would say was suddenly so bland and not them. And so I'd say, mm-hmm. okay, let's set aside business. Let's set aside CTAs and online funnels and business development. Let's set aside all of that. Close your eyes, put your hand over your heart, drop in, take a few deep breaths. What do you really want to say? And I would take them through this exercise and I would have them open their eyes and say, what I really, like it's a human prompt, what I really want to say is, and as soon as they would go there, what I really want to say is, and then speak from your heart without editing yourself. And the things that have come through, the words and the messages that have come through have been so beautiful. It doesn't always happen right away because it's pretty vulnerable to do that. So sometimes I would take them even deeper and like, close your eyes again, let's go deeper, you know, and I would give them some different prompts, human prompts that say, imagine that you're, imagine that you're talking to your past self. What do you really want to say? Right. Sometimes I'd use myself. Okay. Use me. Imagine that you're talking to the little girl version of me. What do you really want to say? And it's, it's when we feel that the chills, the emotions that come through, that's when they're saying what they really want to say. And so what we've done is now we've transcribed it. And we've copied and pasted it into AI, into ChatGPT, and then give it a prompt. So for example, if I put that into ChatGPT and say, okay, using this writing style, it's my voice, write a social media post about an upcoming workshop on humanizing ChatGPT, and it's going to be on this date and time, right? Even just with that prompt, with my heart speech, I call this my heart speech, what will come out of it is going to be so much better than if you put in a bland, boring prompt that gives you a generic output, a generic answer, right? This is the stuff that lights me up. I mean, that's the heart speech. So I can't help but go here. (laughs) What do you really want to say to the thousands of people that are listening to you right now? Mm, Let me connect in for a moment. What I really want to say is deep down inside, you know, if the path that you're on right now is the path that you want to be on. And what I really want to say is that if you're not on the path that you want to be on, that life is right now. And please do not wait until something happens that wakes you up. But instead, recognize that your life is so precious and the world needs your authentic voice and for you to live a fully aligned life. And we don't know how many days we have. None of us know. And so what if today was a day that you just made a decision about who you are, what you really want, what you really want to say, who you want to have in your life? What is the path forward? What are the adventures you want to go on? It's just too precious. And we have those moments that wake us up. But what if we just chose to be awake already, right now? You gave me goosebumps. (laughs) I feel it too. (laughs) Right? Like, that's what I really want to say, you know, because it's, 
You're meant for more. Everyone's meant for more. I believe every single person is meant for more. And that's what has me feel so alive every day. It's like, I know every day is like, I wake up and like, I'm so grateful for another day of my life. And I'm surrounded mm-hmm. by people that I love. And it hasn't always looked that way, you know, past relationships and broken relationships. I mean, we all go through the painful stuff, but what is it that you really want? And start, let's start living it now and not let any excuse stop us. And I think that is the perfect place to stop this conversation. I invite those of you that are listening to just percolate on what Amy has shared and get curious about if you could trust yourself a little bit more, what would you do? Amy, I'm imagining there's a few people that are going, how do I find this incredible woman? And I will put it into the show notes, but how can people find you? Yes, absolutely. Well, you can go to my website, which is amyyamada.com. And then also, I know since we've been talking about humanizing AI, and I'm so committed to being on this mission of humanizing AI. So my partner, Ken, and I wrote a book called The Ultimate Guide to ChatGPT for Online Coaches. Although now that I've been speaking more and more, it's relevant to so many different industries. I just spoke to a group of commercial realtors the other day and have been invited to speak to other types of groups. So if you're someone who is wanting to really leverage this technology, be on the cutting edge of it but use it in a way that brings out your authenticity and any form of communication that you currently are are using on a daily basis, why not use it for support? I am sharing the gift of this guide so we can share that link as well. Excellent. I'll get that link for you and I'll put it in the notes. Thank you so much, Amy. You are such a gift to the planet and I am so grateful you and I met and you're now such a key part of my world. This conversation has been fabulous and I can't wait to catch up with you soon. Take care. Thank you so much, Janine. I so appreciate you too. How good was that conversation? I'd love to hear what you took out of my chat with Amy Yamada. And I'm really curious to know what you're going to do next. For me, some of the key things that really resonated was the absolute conviction that Amy has around what she's taking a stand for. She said, I'm taking a stand for humanizing AI and preserving humanity. My question to all of you is, what are you taking a stand for? What are you taking a stand for? She also challenged us to really get curious about what is it that we really want to say? You know, what is your heart speech? I'm curious, again, if you were given the chance to actually speak as an unapologetic you, if you were able to speak with no fear, but to actually talk from your heart, what is it that you really want to say? And equally, what is it that you really want to do? And finally, what I loved about our conversation was Amy talked at length about what gets in our way, the things that hold us close, hold us still. As she said, it's the stuff that makes us feel comfortable. What are you holding on to that makes you feel comfortable? That essentially might be fueling the fear. It might be fueling the lack of self-belief. It might be actually reinforcing the masks that you are currently wearing. And she talks about the fact that ultimately we've got to trust ourselves. And again, if you were to trust yourself, if you really were to dig deep, And wake up tomorrow knowing that you could trust yourself implicitly, knowing that whatever happens, you can trust yourself to make good, to be the exact version of who it is that you want to be. What would you do differently? If you could trust yourself, if you could tap into that, 
what would you do differently? I will put in the notes how you can contact Amy if you're interested. And I'll also add into the show notes the free download on how to humanize ChatGPT for yourself so you can access that if you want. And as always, if any of you listening in would like to have a chat about how to really unlock your potential, how to step into your brilliance, how to truly commercialize what it is that you know, and to become the very person that you want to become, to build that business that you want to build on your terms, then feel free to send me the mess- send me a message, janine at janinegana.com.au. Look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, have a great day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I hope you have new ideas on how to step into your own brilliance after listening today. For those of you who don't know, my own brilliance is helping businesswomen embrace their brilliance to achieve greater profits, align with their purpose, and create greater impact through their business. I've helped thousands of businesswomen leverage their networks, build rock-solid business plans, and break through the glass ceiling to become seven-figure business owners and beyond. If you're looking to take your business to the next level and have been feeling stuck or are frustrated that it's been taking forever, then shoot me a message today, as I'd love to help you. You can email me directly at support at or find me on any of my social media platforms listed in the show notes below. Until next time, have an absolutely fabulous day.